Hi, this is Professor Jim Paisley. Are you tired of the five-minute news clips presented every night by the talking heads on the national news? Would you like to know what is really going on? I have taught American and European history for the past 27 years. I find it fascinating how history truly does repeat itself. When we watch the evening news, no one seems to know anything about how current events are all tied to the past. Critical race theory, crime in our cities, federal versus state powers, the Arab-Israeli conflict, how about international relations with Russia, China, and Europe? On my shows, I give a historical perspective to what is currently happening in our world. Join me weekly to find the true history behind what is happening today. Well, folks, things haven't calmed down at all on this Russia-Ukraine mess. In fact, it looks like it's getting much, much worse. And now, here we are. The bureaucracy in Washington, D.C. is tying our hands in our efforts to try and help the Ukrainians. Now, recently, in March... Representative Steve Cohen from Tennessee and co-chairman of the Commission on Security and Cooperation in Europe, also known as the Helsinki Commission, and the Commission's ranking member, Joe Wilson, along with Liz Cheney, Tom Malinowski, Mike Walls, and Alyssa Slotkin, have introduced a bipartisan Ukraine Democracy Defense Lend-Lease Act. Really? Lend-Lease Act? Now, this proposed legislation would enhance the President's current Lend-Lease Authority to simplify bureaucratic barriers with regard to military equipment for Ukraine. Now, the scope of this bill would be limited to materials for use in protecting civilians during the current Russian invasion and the broader national security concerns of the United States. Now, this bicameral bill is a companion to a Senate version introduced by Senator John Corn. And in that bill, he states, President Franklin Roosevelt's Lend-Lease Program, enacted in 1941, very likely permitted Britain to keep fighting the Nazis in World War II and ultimately helped roll back tyranny across Europe. This similarly necessary Ukraine Democracy Defense Lend-Lease Act will, I hope, allow the brave people of Ukraine to defend themselves against the unwarranted Russian aggression without obligating U.S. troops. So stated Representative Steve Cohen. He said, I'm grateful to introduce this bipartisan bill to ensure that red tape does not stand in the way of the courageous people of Ukraine as they fight for their families and the sovereignty of their country. Now, there's historical precedent for Lend-Lease dating back to World War II, which was instrumental in defeating Hitler's Nazi Germany. This war, perpetrated by Vladimir Putin against Ukraine, has united the world in its resolve against corrupt authoritarians and in admiration of the Ukrainian people. Now, the U.S., along with our valued allies, must continue to supply Ukraine with the military equipment they need to repel this attack, and this legislation expedites and expands that process, 
said Representative Joe Wilson. The United States must take aggressive and decisive action to aid Ukraine as they fight Putin's brutal invasion. I'm proud to join Senator Korn and Representative Wilson in introducing legislation that will ensure the United States can continue to provide equipment and armaments without delay, said Representative Liz Cheney. Ukrainians have proven they're willing to stand and fight for democracy against one of the largest armies in the world, said Representative Tom Malinowski. They deserve a fair shot to protect their country, and this legislation will give President Biden even greater flexibility to deliver them the weapons they need. The United States must provide all available military assistance to the Ukrainian people in their fight for freedom and sovereignty. This program will provide Ukraine with additional flexibility and resources to continue their fight against Russian invaders and further bolster European security, according to Mike Walls, a representative. When it comes to key national security issues, partisanship should not stop at the water's edge. The Ukrainian people have shown incredible bravery in the last few days to protect their country and I'm pleased that Republicans and Democrats are working together to make sure we have their backs. This bill will give the President the authority to lend lease military equipment directly to the Ukrainian government to protect civilians and to give Ukrainian armed forces the tools they need to continue to fight against Russia's unwarranted aggression, said Representative Alyssa Slotkin. Now, as part of the President's Arms Export Control Act authority, he can currently lend and lease defense articles to U.S. partners and allies when it's in the United States' national security interest. But, bureaucratic barriers, go figure, and other limitations make these authorities impractical for the current crisis facing Ukraine. So we see these senators and representatives stepping forward and say, we need to cut out all the red tape and the bickering and get the weapons in the hands of the Ukrainians. So what is this Lend-Lease idea that they came up with? Well, it's nothing new. Once again, all you have to do is look at your history, folks. And I even went to a simple place, history.com. And the editors there had a great article written back in uh, November of 2019 on the Lend-Lease Act. Now, the Lend-Lease Act of 1941 stated that the U.S. government could lend or lease, rather than sell, war supplies to any nation that we deemed vital to the defense of the United States. Under this policy, the United States was able to supply military aid to its foreign allies during World War II while still remaining officially neutral in the conflict. I know that's kind of iffy, but that was our stand. So we'll supply weapons to your enemy, but we're going to be neutral in this. Now, most importantly, passage of the Lend-Lease Act enabled a struggling Great Britain to continue fighting against Germany, virtually on its own until the United States entered the war late in 1941. Bear in mind, folks, the United States didn't enter World War II for two years. That war had been going on for two years, and the only thing that drug us into it was when Japan attacked us at Pearl Harbor. 
Now, even as fascist regimes like Nazi Germany under Adolf Hitler took aggressive action in Europe in the 1930s, isolationist members of Congress pushed through a series of laws limiting how the United States could respond. But after Germany invaded Poland in 1939 and full-scale war broke out again in Europe, President Franklin D. Roosevelt declared that while the United States would remain neutral by law, it was impossible that every American remain neutral in thought as well. Before passage of the Neutrality Act of 1939, Roosevelt persuaded Congress to allow the sale of military supplies to allies like France and Britain on a cash-and-carry basis. They had to pay cash for American-made supplies and then transport the supplies on their own ships. Now, this is before passage of the Act in 39. But by the summer of 1940, France had fallen to the Nazis, and Britain was fighting virtually alone against Germany on land and sea and in the air. Now, after the new British Prime Minister Winston Churchill appealed personally to Roosevelt for help, the U.S. President agreed to exchange more than 50 outdated American destroyers for 99-year leases on British bases in the Caribbean and Newfoundland, which would be used as U.S. air and naval bases. Now, that December, with Britain's currency and gold reserves dwindling to almost nothing, Churchill warned Roosevelt that his country would not be able to pay cash for military supplies any longer, and they certainly couldn't afford the shipping. Now, though he had recently been re-elected on a platform promising to keep America out of World War II, Roosevelt wanted to support Great Britain against Germany. Now, after hearing Germany's appeal, he began working to convince Congress and the American public that providing more direct aid to England was the nation's own interest. Now, in mid-December 1940, Roosevelt introduced a new policy initiative whereby the United States would lend, rather than sell, military supplies to Great Britain for use in the fight against Germany. Payment for the supplies would be deferred and could come in any form Roosevelt deemed satisfactory. So bottom line is we're going to loan them bullets and everything they need in order to fight this war. And you can pay us back whenever you have the money or the wherewithal to do so. And you can decide what kind of uh, uh, payback would be involved. Maybe it'll be some more bases worldwide. Now, <clears throat> Roosevelt said, we must be the great arsenal of democracy. And he said this in one of his famous fireside chats on December 29, 1940. He said, for us, this is an emergency as serious as war itself. We must apply ourselves to our task with the same resolution, the same sense of urgency, the same spirit of patriotism and sacrifice as we would show were we at war. Now, Len Lease as Roosevelt's plan became known, ran, needless to say, ran into huge opposition among the isolationist members of Congress, as well as those who believed the policy gave the president himself too much power. Now, during the debate over the bill, which continued for two months, uh-huh, kind of like today, here's Ukraine screaming for help, 
believe me, Great Britain was in big trouble over there, and they were screaming for help. But Congress debated for two months, and Roosevelt's administrations and supporters in Congress finally argued convincingly that providing aid to allies like Great Britain was a military necessity for the United States. First, he said, we are buying, not lending. We are buying our own security while we prepare, Secretary of War Henry Stimson told the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. By our delay during the past six years, while Germany was preparing, we find ourselves unprepared and unarmed, facing a thoroughly prepared and armed potential enemy. Nothing could, be, could have been more accurate. Germany had indeed continued to build up its armed forces in violation of the Treaty of Versailles. But he did it anyhow, and nobody stopped him. And by the time the war broke out, everybody else was trying to play catch-up with Adolf Hitler. In March of 1941, Congress pa finally passed the Lend-Lease Act, subtitled An Act to Promote the Defense of the United States, and Roosevelt signed it into law. Now, Roosevelt soon took advantage of his authority under the new law, ordering large quantities of U.S. food and war material to be shipped to Britain from U.S. ports through the new Office of Lend-Lease Administration. The supplies dispersed under the Lend-Lease Act ranged from tanks, aircraft, ships, weapons, and road-building supplies to clothing, chemicals, and food. Now, bear in mind, we're giving them all this stuff and we're still neutral. Now, by the end of 1941, the Lend-Lease policy was extended to include other U.S. allies. So we started sending things to China, and yes, the Soviet Union. What? Yeah, because they were at war with Hitler and Mussolini. So yes, that's correct. We were sending equipment and supplies to China and the Soviet Union in an effort to defeat Hitler. Isn't that interesting? Now, by the end of World War II, the United States would use this same act to provide a total of some $50 billion in aid to more than 30 nations around the globe. From the Free French Movement, led by Charles de Gaulle, and the governments in exile of Poland, the Netherlands, and Norway, to Australia, New Zealand, Brazil, Paraguay, and Peru. For Roosevelt, the Lend-Lease was not motivated primarily by good feelings or generosity, but was intended to serve the interest of the United States by helping to defeat Nazi Germany without entering the war outright, at least not until the nation was prepared for it, both militarily and in terms of public opinion. Through Lend-Lease, the United States also succeeded in becoming the arsenal of democracy during World War II, thus securing its preeminent place in the international economic and political order once the war drew to a close. It made us a world power. So, why are we not moving ahead with Lend-Lease 22? And I found an interesting article under rollcall.com, R-O-L-L, C-A-L-L dot com by John M. Donnelly. And this was posted March 2nd of 2022. 
And he states, during President Joe Biden's State of the Union address on Tuesday night, his remarks on Ukraine drew perhaps the most bipartisan applause from representatives and senators. But the unity was deceptive. Republicans pressed the case Wednesday that they are more interested than Democrats in quickly providing new weapons to Ukraine and imposing punishing new sanctions on Russia. None other than Senator Marco Rubio offered legislation that would provide the $6.4 billion supplemental spending that the Biden administration says it wants for responding to the Ukraine crisis. Rubio's proposal appears to spend more on new weapons than the administration has privately told lawmakers it wants in the package. Now, Republicans are calling for such a bill to move forward promptly. But Democrats instead want to include it in the fiscal 22 omnibus spending package that Congress hopes to send to the White House before a stopgap federal spending law expires. That's right, folks. While people are dying in Ukraine, our federal government is playing party politics and delaying the aid that Ukraine desperately needs. Republicans have also accused the White House of wanting the Pentagon's share of the aid package subtracted from the total amount in the defense budget that's been allocated for the upcoming year, though Democrats insist they want no such thing. Now, Biden on Wednesday announced new sanctions against Russia, including on Russian military and defense entities. Now, President Biden said in his State of the Union address that the U.S. is committed to helping Ukraine. He said, we're giving more than $1 billion in direct assistance to Ukraine, and we will continue to aid the Ukrainian people as they defend their country and to help ease their suffering. But it is not yet known what new weaponry might be going to Ukraine beyond that already announced. Senator Rubio's bill appears to be the first detailed legislative proposal made public that spells out how to allocate the $6.4 billion the administration has said Ukraine needs now to address its many pressing requirements. Some lawmakers want upwards of $10 billion for Ukraine, but almost all are behind spending at least $6.4. Rubio's bill would provide $2 billion of that total to the State Department for Ukraine's humanitarian and infrastructure issues. Another $4.4 billion of it would go to the Pentagon. Of the defense money, $1 billion would replace defense assets that the U.S. military has already transferred to Ukraine or NATO allies. But most of the bill's funds would be for new initiatives, these include $1 billion to give Ukraine weapons it has sought, small arms, grenade launchers, and ammunition, manned portable missiles and rockets in a ready-to-fire configuration, night vision goggles, drones, communications equipment, bulletproof armor, rations, and medical kits. All of these desperately needed by the Ukrainians. Also in the package would be a $1 billion amount set aside to supply NATO allies, such as Poland, Lithuania, Latvia, and Estonia. Replacement planes, tanks, munitions, anti-air and anti-tank weaponry for themselves and to replace assets they sent to Ukraine. 
another $1 billion would go towards Defense Department cyber defenses to protect critical infrastructure and nuclear command and control systems. And last, $400 million would help the Defense Department to deliver humanitarian assistance to Ukraine. Rubio said his measure encourages the administration to consider the efficacy of using the military to deliver the humanitarian supplies. By contrast, top Defense Department officials have said, in essence, that the billions of dollars they are asking from Congress is to repay the Pentagon for money it has already spent or already announced it will spend. Neither the administration nor congressional Democrats have provided much detail about what is in the White House's $6.4 billion request for Ukraine aid, except to tell reporters it includes $3.5 billion for the Pentagon and $2.9 billion in a security assistance for NATO allies, as well as money for humanitarian supplies. But on Tuesday, Mara Carlin, the Assistant Secretary of Defense for Strategy, Plans, and Capabilities, told the House Armed Services Committee that most of the administration's request focuses on the cost of sending thousands of additional U.S. troops to Eastern Europe NATO allies, and a substantial portion of the rest would be to replenish Defense Department inventories that were tapped to send weapons and ammunition to Ukraine. Kalin did not cite any new weaponry as part of the package. Now, U.S. officials were more precise behind closed doors about how much of the request is forward-looking and how much is not, according to Michael Walls of Florida, the top Republican on the House Armed Services Committee's readiness panel. Walls said Wednesday that all of the administration's proposals is aimed at paying back the Pentagon, not buying additional supplies for Ukraine. What? That's right, folks. He said that all of the administration's proposal is aimed at paying back the Pentagon and not buying additional supplies for Ukraine. Good grief. He stated, just briefed, that 100% of the Defense Department portion of the $6.4 billion aid package that the Biden administration is requesting from Congress is to pay for the U.S. troops deploying to Europe and to replenish U.S. war stocks, not lethal aid for Ukraine. Zelensky needs more ammo now, and it's not coming, folks. So there you have it. History has once again given us a possible solution to a current problem. Unfortunately, our federal government, bogged down in party politics and bureaucracy, is once again showing us what we all know. Washington is broken. Now I have one final insight here. And this came from the Hill website by Peter Doran. Now, he came up with a kind of novel concept to this Lend-Lease thing. Because, obviously, Congress is going to argue over this money. Well, he's addressing that. He said, Russia's invasion of Ukraine is a dangerous game-changer. Adversaries like Vladimir Putin are on the march. China's ambassador to the United States is threatening war over Taiwan. 
Iran is enriching uranium again. This is happening because our old methods of deterrence are failing. Our rivals, on the other hand, are adapting. We must adapt to their adaptation. The good news, we can revive a winning American idea from the past by adding this new Lend-Lease Act. Making Lend-Lease great again will confound our enemies, protect America, and prevent the further contagion of war. And he thinks we should deploy this option right now. Deterrence is how America prevents wars. President Reagan famously explained it as peace through strength. The concept still holds true today, folks. Putin's invasion of Ukraine shows the world what happens when our old forms of deterrence fail. The world becomes a deadly place. So what's changed? The old drugs in the medicine bag of American deterrence are not effective. While the bottles are many, few still work. Nuclear retaliation is the most extreme form of deterrence. This bottle says, do not use, ever. Since 1945, it never has been used, and our enemies know this. Next in the bag is conventional retaliation. We used this option after September 11th in Afghanistan and Iraq, but Americans no longer have an appetite for overseas fights. Not since the pre-World War II era have voters been so opposed to overseas military interventions. While public opinion can change, this option is severely curtailed for now. Our enemies also know this. Additionally, there is financial pain. For months now, the White House has threatened Moscow with the mother of all sanctions should it invade Ukraine. And still, Putin invaded. Financial deterrence fails when an aggressor is prepared for a fight in the pain of sanctions that will ensue. Sanctions, folks, do not work against a determined foe. These leaves, this leaves us with our allies and what they can do. They constitute the last bottle in the bag, and it's half empty. While America's allies are certainly our best international asset, too much of America's deterrent capabilities still rests on our own shoulders. The most obvious solution to this problem is to add more meaningful players and more guns into the game theory of deterrence. If we're going to prevent the contagion of war around the globe, we must urgently increase the high-end deterrence that our allies, and not just the United States, can bring to bear. We must force Putin and Chinese leader Xi Jinping and others not only to ask, what will the Americans do? Well, folks, that's all the time we have for this segment. Thanks for listening to True History with Professor Jim Paisley. See you next time.